Tomorrow's. Here's that podcast you listen to. Uh-oh. Out of out of the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it. Dick the phone. Sure. That's a that was a long time ago. Wrong movie. Can't afford him for this one. Here are your intrepid hosts. You have, would you consider yourself intrepid? Sure. Why not? Right? <laughs> <laughs> no one seems to dis- like ever be mad at being called intrepid, right? No. I don't think so. Um, not so that I know we'll take it. Two in regular intrepid folks right inspector dan you do a nice inspector mustache twirl it was accidental but i'll take it i'll have to twirl up a little bit more i find myself grabbing a little bit of the side stash myself i used to but i just i don't i don't do it as much anymore i don't know what it is you you just went right back to it i'm doing it now because we're talking about it i don't know if i believe you and gentleman joey here to tell you i'm a liar i don't know about that but i'm just gonna keep my eye on you Okay. And your hand beard placement. All right. You made me self-conscious now. Welcome to the show. Well, yeah, that's how we stop habits. I'll give you a list of my bad habits. I need your help to break them for me. (laughs) Okay. We'll help each other out. One hand scratches the other's back. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Yes. I didn't think about that one for a second. Yeah. Kind of like this movie, which we'll get into. Nonlinear jokes. That's what we're telling. Yep. And and I was I was reading about uh, there's a uncredited cameo by a, a oh famous boy. jokester. We will be making jokes on that. Did you read that in time to see it during the movie? No, and I, I, I'm really bummed that I didn't because I read it because I, I a lot of times I'll re- I'll watch the movie and then I'll do some some research before we we start. And I did it after fact. I'm like I really want to go back and watch this so I can catch and it. And we'll we'll get into my my process with that one. But okay, I I recommend what I did only in the circumstances under oh boy welcome to the show <laughs> i'm fascinated now you got you got me on the edge of my seat so. dan i'm still recovering from my second vaccine it was a real experience uh, it wasn't terrible mm-hmm. i think you may have got a little worse than me but it was not fun and i've been really? a little sluggish and that's why i was a little late today i've been catching up on sleep like i just was slightly off you know how many days ago did you get it i got a wednesday okay uh today is saturday mm-hmm even though, yes, today's Thursday. We're playing with the calendar. I'm confused. I'm very confused. I've been confused since we started this one. But again, we're just doing that nonlinear joke telling that I was alluding to. And we are in episode 20 now, so. Is this 20? This is 20. I don't have a rhyme for 20, do you? I don't, but it's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. Episode 20, no longer funny, right? Nope. Yeah, 20 is a lot of episodes. Yeah, we're making it. You know, we're doing it. 20, a bonus episode. Yeah, so technically 20, 20.5. I mean, that wasn't long enough to be a normal episode, thankfully. It's more of a, a brief... Uh, a mini-sode. A check-in, yes, exactly. But yeah, wow, that's a lot. We're getting there. Yeah. What are we, a half year almost? Next episode, right? That's yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting there, yeah. 52 would be a year? Yes. Well, did we do it... Oh, wait, the... no, so it would be more then, right? It'd be a little bit more because of the half, but... I'm we... bad at math. Yeah, did we start on the very first week of January? I think... Yeah, but I mean, either way, it would still be 52 episodes right. if it's weekly for a Once year, a week, so. yes. Yeah. Yes, correct. I think we're learning we need to do night episodes. That's are we, true. Are we ready? Are we fresh enough yet? Or, or two people that are just really bad at math, because I'm also not good at math, so... I just finished watching that now very old Mortal Kombat movie, but the one that just came out to us in the past this week. Yeah, I don't know what's going. What, so what's the deal with that? So is it? So they made the movie in the nineties. Is this a? Is there a new movie out now? There's or? a new movie okay. out now. A new Mortal Kombat. It just came out on HBO Max and in theaters. If you're brave enough to to do it yet. Okay. Drive-ins. I, I sure said drive-ins. Go check out a drive-in. 
How was it? It was watchable. Okay. The fights were great. They did try to put in some plot where you're just like, don't do it. But, you know, it, it was it was watchable. I'm, don't I need do to it. Don't it. do it. Don't put a plot in there. <laughs> don't, hey, I'm watching you now. Yeah. I picture yeah. you having a dialogue with the movie while you're watching it by yourself. I made a lot of threats. I had to do it at the at the app from okay. Chromecast. I had to yell at my phone so I could be like, yeah, HBO Max now. Uh, uh, well, hey, well, oh, there. hey, easy there. And then every now and then you'd be like, okay, good. There's Goro. I think you, I'm more of a Street Fighter, the movie. I was going to ask, do you, do you, well, sure. The movie, uh, boy, that's a good question. As far as movies between that and Mortal Kombat. I think, no, I got you. Um, I think Street Fighter is more fun. I yes. think Mortal Kombat might be technically the better movie, but I'm, I want to rewatch the, the original Mortal Kombat. I have no intentions to watch um, Annihilation. Annihilation, yeah. Yeah. Just on theaters, which was a, a very sad experience. It was a birthday well, you, party, you, not mine, but. You know what I did watch recently of this, of this ilk? Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I loved as a kid. I rewatched it the other day. Is that your favorite video game movie, you think? Could be, yeah. I'd say probably. I mean, is it a terrible movie? Yes. Is it really enjoyable? Yes. It's something else for sure. <laughs> it is. It's really a bizarre Is there a Blu-ray movie. of that? There isn't. And I was talking to my buddy about it because we I was telling him. He's going to put one out? So I would like to put one out, but there's rumors that they would like, they were planning on it at some point of doing like a, you know, a, either like a, some type of restoration and then putting it out on Blu-ray, which I would definitely get. And I feel like people would get it. You know what I mean? I, I feel like there is a market for that movie. I'm surprised Nintendo just didn't try to bury that movie. I think that's why it's probably not on Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, and well, that's the thing. Like the DVD is like, I, I would always see it for like $5 new. So like one day I saw him, it's like, all right, I'm just going to buy it because it's $5. Like, I got $5. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'll buy this on DVD. But no, I mean, I enjoyed it just as much watching it now to see Dennis Hopper <laughs> playing Koopa. It's like just enjoyable, very enjoyable movie. I, I feel like out of context though, like I think if, if you were like, say, if I was just watching it for the first time now and not watching it, maybe when I was younger, I would not have the same attachment to it. And you could say that, I guess, for a lot of movies. But I think the nostalgia of it definitely helps for that movie. Were you a big Nintendo guy? Did you play? Absolutely. Mario? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All and the you, time. It, it did not jar you? Were you? You were just happy enough to have the characters. It didn't matter that the, so many liberties were taken. Yeah. I thought it was weird that it, it didn't really follow a lot of the... I mean, it has elements of it, but it, it really like very, very different from the video game. But I liked it. I liked it for yeah. what it was. I think it kind of reminded me of like RoboCop in a way, like just some of the, like the set design. Yeah, I think kind just of kind of reminded me of it. Cinematography. Yeah, and it's very like dystopianish. Yeah, and I think it just like this that era. I think I was just I was, I like I was okay with it. Like it didn't that didn't bother me at the time at which it came out. I think just because I was so young too, and I just I, I would watch anything, you know. Immature. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but no, I, I actually had fun watching it. I enjoyed it. It was nice. Because I, 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 was, I was having a tough time deciding what I was going to watch. And I was like, I don't want to watch anything heavy. And then I just like, I was looking around. I'm like, I could definitely watch this right now. Like, I just saw it. I saw it there. I watched two post-vaccine movies when I was recovering. One was <laughs> <laughs> uh, Making Apes, the Planet of the Apes makeup documentary. Ooh, okay. I believe it came out two years ago. Okay. How was Not, that? Very good, actually. Good? Only really, I mean, they get into the new movies very, you know, just to bring them up. Yeah. But it's all just how, like, it gets into the history of film makeup and then talks about how much just Planet of the Apes makeup just blew everything away. They created a category for it in the Oscars afterwards. It, it just changed everything. Wait, was Rick Baker a part of that? 
He was a part of the the remake, the Tim Burton remake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, these are a lot of old timers, but it, it's great stuff. I, I mean, recommend I, that I, one. I think we mentioned it before, but yeah, I'm I'm also an avid uh, Planet of the Apes fan, especially the original. Five. Yeah, this is who this is for, for sure. Yeah, All that's what I would prefer. I mean, based on what you're telling me, that, that sounds exactly like what I would want. Like a little bit of the new ones. Yeah. The new ones are fine. You but... can't not talk about them. I mean, you know, you get a quick little like, hey, Rick Baker, I fucking blew it. I mean, I don't know if he thinks he did. And then also just, and they don't, really, they had one person be like, oh, I really liked, I liked what they did with the new ones. And that was Rick Baker. So <laughs> 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 who cares? I saw that one in theaters. I remember seeing that one in theaters, the Mark Wahlberg one. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was rough. It was rough. We couldn't Mario Brothers that one away. I saw, I think, yeah, I saw all the, all the new ones from that one on. I saw in theaters. Obviously, I was too young to watch. I wasn't alive when the original ones were there. But um, I would have gone if I was alive. I would have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Clearly, we like them. Yeah. Yeah, like the new ones, it wasn't enough to get me to go to the theaters to see them. But Mm -hmm. I would rent them when they came out and have as much fun as I could. I think for me, it was like, it was cool because as much as I don't love CGI or don't love like newer superhero movies, like those are movies that I, I do enjoy, like anything Planet of the Apes related, but a bunch of my close friends are all really into Planet of the Apes too. So it's like more of just like a friend hangout, like, hey, it's an event. We're all like, let's all get together. We'll all go yeah. see it together. Like, it's like that type of thing. You know what I mean? It's not sure. like me just going by myself just to see it. And because and I do that a lot too, but this is just more of like a hangout, get together. We all go watch the new Planet of the Apes movie. It's like that kind of thing. Go Ape, right? Yeah, go Ape. Exactly. I watched that, and the other vaccine movie was Spartacus, which I said I would watch before. Yes, and and what'd you think? It's a little long. (laughs) Did you watch it all (laughs) in sitting? Yes. I mean, sitting, I did get up and and cleaned a little bit, but Mm -hmm. because there's a lot you could edit out, in my opinion, but it it was good. It had a great ending. I thought it came together nicely, and there's one battle scene in particular that's just awesome. Cool. So, yeah, I mostly recommend it. Uh, we had, I, I've already, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but the main actor from Gun Crazy is in it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, also shares the writer, Dalton Trumbo, finally mm-hmm. credited for this one. And yes. yeah, it's an interesting flick. Stanley Kubrick hated it. Did he? Yeah, he, he disavowed it. He didn't, he, there was, it was the only movie he didn't have complete control over. Oh, uh, that makes sense. He seems prickly, though, you know. Yeah. Emphasis on prick. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Just a little bit. What about I, think any- good, I think it's a good segue. We ready to get into it? You got anything else, Dan? No, I was trying to think of it. Don't really have anything. Yeah, I think I'm ready to get into this movie, which I love. <laughs> I do love this film. When did you see this movie? Do you remember it? I do. I think the first time I saw it was when the Criterion came out. So I think I was a little bit late to the game. It came out in 2011. Yeah. yeah. So that was the first time I ever saw it. Uh, admittingly, like growing up and still to this day, I'm not necessarily a huge Kubrick fan in general. Um, what do you like from him? I mean, this this one and Paths of Glory are pretty neck and neck, which is funny because they're like some of his earlier ones. But those are yeah. like probably, probably about tied for my favorite. The first one I ever saw was 2001 A Space Odyssey. That was the first one of his. And they, I think Doctor Strangelove around that same time. Those, those are the ones I saw before this. I saw those before I saw The Killing. Do you like those? Um... I do. I think I like Dr. Strange love more. I, I, I love sci-fi and 2001 Space Odyssey, obviously it's like a big deal, but... Probably the other way around. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of indifferent to it. How about you? I, I would say I like probably 2001 a little better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you my 2001 Jack Kirby Oh wow. movie adaptation Treasury Edition. That's right. That I, have, uh, I, like the, the, I like the cover art. It's some good stuff in there. Um, and I like that movie because of the ideas. I think there's some really 
great yeah. innovative stuff and, and it's just well done i like how it's a bit of an anthology almost like it's just different stories mm. yeah I, I really like that one dr strange love is good peter sellers i mean incredible yeah. and you can't deny it I, I just think it was a bit of an era that i just wasn't a part of so your favorite movie is not the moon landing by by, by stanley ah! i was wondering if we we're gonna bring that up <laughs> where do you fall on conspiracies dan especially moon conspiracies uh I am fascinated by them, but okay. how, mu- how much I buy into them, I guess, varies. Yeah. Um, I think it's really funny and interesting to think about it in this context for about the moon landing. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> I think um, as far as possibilities with the moon landing conspiracies, that's pretty far down yes. on there. Yeah. I, th- I think it was just people were like, oh, you know, only Stanley Kubrick of 2001, a Space Odyssey fame could do something this technical, you know? And yeah, it's like, mm. That just carried on through the ages of like, he did it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm with you too. They're just fascinating. The only weird thing I say is, how come they lost that footage, huh? Isn't that something you, you hold on to? It's a little bit odd. I'm not even saying that in like a conspiracy way, just like a, a general. Isn't that weird? Like, yeah. Like, Doesn't that raise a little bit of suspicion? That's like some Britain, like Doctor Who shit, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, we, we taped over it, you know? Like, what? <laughs> That's not something you want to hold on to? Yeah, it's, a, it's always interesting that some of like the either incriminating or something something of that nature tends to like footage gets lost or it gets it doesn't help your case with yeah, this whole exactly thing, it know? makes it makes things look a little bit more suspicious but that, yeah. that's all i've got it's i don't even mean that i'm like i don't believe it i just be like how do you lose that footage yeah that's weird we're either losing fans or or gaining fans right I'm now not, I, I don't know <laughs> i tried to approach that in the just hey fans isn't that weird but i'm not saying anything i have no yes. dog in this no horse in this race i'm gonna correct myself Ooh. because i just remembered the movie we're talking about i was gonna say yeah i, I, you, I, I like you. where you're going i like where you're going i say nay conspiracy horse nay conspiracy it's <laughs> conspirators stay away with your conspiracies we're just talking we're just having a conversation this is why I was afraid to go down moon landing territory. Well, too late. It was already it was already brought up. Well, well I feel like we can't. You can't talk about Kubrick and not talk about. It. I think I, I can't at least. There you go. Dan's to blame. Only ghost in town on social media. <laughs> oh Send no. Send him your conspiracy theories. Oh no! Please don't. <laughs> what are your feelings about this movie? I, well, I was trying to think of when I saw it. It was probably around the same time, and I liked it. I I had pretty much seen most of his big works mm-hmm. it's really more this era that i was less familiar with mm-hmm. and i liked him i'm not a huge he's great you know like shining's a good time even yeah, like, shining's like good yeah i like eyes wide shut i thought that was a good movie you know I, I like stuff from him but i'm just not like i don't get obsessed with him like i would have like a like a De Palma of that era of yeah the closest thing I could think of of someone that was that big but I and I remember when I found this one I'm like oh cool he did a noir mm-hmm. and and I really like this one because it just it doesn't feel like one of his movies in a way yeah and I haven't I still haven't watched it. I always forget when I'm watching it but there's Killer's Kisses on there too another film noir and, and I have never seen that I've started it it's a little amateur e thus I've never finished it Speaking of De Palma, I think, I can't remember if it's Dress to Kill or Blowout. I think it's Dress to Kill, like, has one of his self-made movies on there. It's Blowout. It's, it's Blowout. Blowout. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that's one I've, like, started and never finished just because it's, it's just a little too amateur for me. But, you know, I, yeah. I'm rooting for it. I'm glad it's there. Great feature. Yep. Keep including those. Maybe one day I'll get to it. But I, it's just, 
it's tough because usually, you know, you have the disc in the player because you just watched it. You're, you know, you just watch, holy shit, what a great movie. Right, you're in that, you're in that mode. and you're It's like, tough oh, to downgrade yeah. after that, yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I've, I've done the same thing because I've watched Blowout many times. What's funny about Blowout is not the movie itself, but... Um, Hilarious one, movie, one of my favorite Yeah, one of, the, one of the greatest comedies of all time. Real um, cracker of an ending. You're going to laugh. Yeah, the, my buddy knows that I, that's like one of my favorite movies. Like, I love that movie. He found this like, I'll have to see if I can find it and show it to you. Uh, it's Blot on VHS and the VHS cover artwork is the most ridiculous cover artwork I've ever seen. And it like, it totally, it does not match that movie at all. It, it makes it look like this ridiculous action movie. Wow. Uh, and it's awesome. I'll have to, I'll have to dig it out for you and show you, but it's, it's amazing. Cause he, he saw it and he's like, I could not buy this for you. He's like, I know you have it like on Blu-ray. He's like, Cause he's just like, you just need to own this. Cause it looks so ridiculous. Oh yeah. It's an artifact. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I'll have to show you that. It's, it's amazing. But yes, I do remember that in blowout that it does show his own movie, which I, I, I like that kind of stuff sometimes where it's like the little, you know, self-referential kind of things like that. Yeah. No, they got to go somewhere. So keep them coming. Yeah. Really just, Love the killing. It's such a, it's a tight plot. It's a tight movie. I mean, this thing is 84 minutes. Great cast. Dream a of, of it. A lot of regulars from film noir. Yeah. I mean, I think there was even like four of the, the cast had just worked on a movie together that Kubrick's wife at the time had art directed. Yes. So this was his fourth movie. I think it was his third. Wasn't it his third? I believe I saw fourth. But okay. it, at the very least, it's the first movie he worked with an actual professional cast and crew. So yeah, really was more of his like first movie. Yeah, his first real movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the working titles were Clean Break and Bed of Fear. Which Clean Break, I'll take Bed of Fear. That's mm. that's just nothing to do with this movie whatsoever. I actually had a thought that it occurred to me after watching it last night. And, it was, and I've seen this many times, but I never really thought about the title of this movie as The Killing, but it kind of has like a double meaning. And I never really thought about it. And I, I don't know if it's maybe obvious, but I, I thought about it as like, you're getting like a killing, like you're making a killing of like a money. Sure. And, and, then, and then obviously the, the killing that goes on in the film, but I just never, it never occurred to me until last night. So yeah. Very it goes nice. to show you that sometimes watching movies, you get you make more out of it, even if it's something simple as thinking about the title. It's good to stop and think every now and then. It is. I try to, I try to do that. I need to do it more myself. The novel was called Clean Break. Mm-hmm. It was from Lionel White. And Kubrick had met producer James B. Harris. They're really into chess, the two of them, which we'll get some chess references in this movie, which is really cool. They just started a new company together. It's called Harris Kubrick Pictures Corporation. Mm-hmm. And they purchased the rights to the novel for $10,000 and they beat United Artists for the rights to it. And they actually distributed this movie. So they seemed to like it. And they were interested in it as a vehicle for Frank Sinatra. Should have been interesting. Probably would have been a very different movie. <laughs> did he ever do noir, film noir? He did. Uh, he did Suddenly, which I've okay. never seen. All right, um, we'll add that to the list. We'll get to that at some point. I wonder if he sings in that movie. That'd be fun. Yeah. I've really only just seen Manchurian Candidate with him. Yeah. Which I like. It was great. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not really film noir, but yeah. No, 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 not at all. I'm just yeah. saying. That's why I, I haven't seen him in many movies or just one. So I don't know if he's made it in the genre. It sounds like he has. Suddenly he appears. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Kubrick. What he suggested, Jim Thompson, who was a he wrote Hard Boiled Fiction. Uh, he gets credited just as dialogue in this movie, but he actually pretty much wrote the script. Kubrick is kind of a dick with credit, something I learned from watching Spartacus as well, going behind the scenes. And there's a big reason Dalton Trumbo and the Hollywood blacklist you know, went away and he was able to come back. And Kubrick was 
trying to take credit for himself. He's like, ah, no, I wrote it. So yeah, he's a prick. Have we mentioned that? <laughs> <laughs> so Jim Thompson, he's he wrote some big novels. There's The Killer Inside Me, which is a big one. And they mm-hmm. try to make a couple movies of that. Uh, most recently with Casey Affleck in the early, 2000, uh, early 2010s. Really? Yeah. There's Savage Night, A Hell of a Woman, and Population 1280. Hmm. And those stories were big with unreliable narrators, which we kind of get a little bit of in this movie. Yes, the, which, the narration's fascinating in this movie. It very much is, which we'll get into. And Thompson also had two of his books adapted much later in his, after he died, actually, uh, The Getaway. Do you remember that movie from the 90s? No, well, it's the remake of the 70s one, which I absolutely love and just watched a couple weeks ago. I rewatched it again because I watched that all the time. But the remake, I've never seen. The, the original was with, with uh, Steve McQueen and Peckinpah directed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a the, great the, one. Yeah, the remake I've never seen. I think it's just like, I can't watch the remake after watching the original because the original's so good. It's comical. And then also The Grifters, which I think you said you haven't seen. which is I haven't. I love the band The Grifters, but I've never seen the movie. This is better. Better than the band The Grifters? It is. That's how good of a movie it is. I'm not saying the band is bad, but the movie is spectacular. That's a tough sell for me. Fair enough. I don't know how you would not want to see a movie that's great, doesn't negate a band at all. Well, it's not a biopic of the band? What are you trying to do here, Dave? Why can't you just accept a movie suggestion? Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll watch it. (laughs) Thank you. I was just seeing how far I could carry that. Not very. It's not a tune, Dan. Set Set it down. That wasn't an insult. That was a compliment. Thank you. There you go. I had to clean my mess up here. Yeah. Our mess. We did this I, together. I just, speaking of messes, I, I keep thinking about how Clean Break, like, it just made me think, like, there should be, like, a film noir about, like, a, a, like a raid on a laundromat or something, and it's called Clean Break, and I think that Like this really segue fun. until the end of it, but sure. <laughs> I'll take laundromat noir. Why not? Yeah. And then the, the yeah, then it's called Clean Break. Dan, this episode is off the rails. I know, I'm sorry. We, we, it's, it's, mostly, not, it's mostly my fault this it's week. It's not, it's really not. Although I feel like you just blame me for other weeks. <laughs> no, Fair I don't know. It's the air. I don't know. It's the day. I can't, I'm not blaming people. I'm blaming humanity for trying to do something. How dare two people try to make a fucking podcast? Yeah. So yeah, Thompson actually moved to Hollywood to work on this movie. And Kubrick, that, yeah, like I said, he credited himself as the screenplay writer. They did collaborate again on Paths of Glory, mm-hmm. which was mostly written by him, though he was billed as the third screenwriter. <laughs> it's a shame. I mean, I, that movie's awesome, too. I do really like that movie. Yeah, we'll get, to, we'll get to that. And then also there was a movie he started called Lunatic at Large, but it never finished that they were supposed to do together. Hmm. He said that Kubrick ended up during Spartacus, got sidetracked and lost the manuscript, though eventually after his death, his son-in-law found the partial manuscript among his documents hmm. and uh, they tried to finish it. Sounds like a mistake. I was going to say, usually that's not a good idea. Has that ever worked out? No. I can't think of one instance where he's like, thank God someone went and added to that and came back to it. No, it's just, it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's pretty much everything I have. I'm sure we'll be able to sprinkle some stuff along the well, way. I got plenty to sprinkle. There's a lot of durings. <laughs> There's a lot of, because yeah, we'll get into it. This movie was not successful. It didn't work out. There was the narration was forcibly added. Yeah. Which I like the narration. I do I, too. I mean, I can see it working without it. It's not necessary, but mm-hmm. it, it's fun, especially because the film is nonlinear. It, right. 
in that sense, it does kind of help, you know, hold your hand and, and walk you along. It gives you a little bit of that, like, police procedural kind of It's vibe. very, like, matter of fact. Yeah. Um, Do we know who the narrator was? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know if it says it. Art Gilmore. And did, a good, did a great job. Yeah, he uh, was an announcer heard on radio and television programs, children's records, movies, trailers, radio commercials, and documentary films. Apparently, he's a, a world-class uh, narrator. Oh. So apparently he's done a lot. Wow, he has done a lot. Jeez. Okay then. So yeah, no, it's it's pretty justified. He's pretty uh, accomplished. Well, I'm glad we looked into that. Yes. <laughs> That's why we have the internet. So this was released May 19th, 1956 to an unsuspecting world. We got Johnny Clay. Great name. Played by Sterling Hayden. Big fan. Big fan of Sterling Hayden. Yeah, he rules. He had been in jail, I think for mm. five years, right? Five, yes. Yeah, yes. five years. Mm-hmm. And he has someone he loves named Faye. Mm-hmm. And she had waited for him throughout these five years. Colleen Gray is Faye. Mm-hmm. And he was an Alcatraz. Was it Alcatraz? Yes. I believe he, sa- he says it. It comes up when he's getting, he's renting the hotel room. That Are we in San bungalow. Francisco in this one? So I don't think so. I think it's, I think it might be Southern California. It yeah, seems- I definitely felt very California. I just could not tell. There was some hills that made me think maybe, but I could, yeah. couldn't quite tell. Yeah, it doesn't really say it, but I, I mean, some I'd say it's at least somewhere in California. Yeah, somewhere in California, Johnny Clay, he's planning a heist. He's going to steal $2 million from a racetrack. There's a money counting room in there. Actually, and, it's, I just, not to interrupt you, but I, I saw Bay, Bay Meadows, the horse track is in San Mateo, California, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area. So actually it is, you were right, it's in the San Francisco area. Oh, all right. We can always take interruptions if it's to tell me I'm right, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I will note that. So at that racetrack, that's where they're planning this crime. There's, there's a room where they count money. And Johnny, he has a whole, there's a great gang of criminals that he puts together. Everyone has their part to play in this. Got a lot of insiders that work at the track. Got a cop who's a little bit crooked. And then also they're going to need to hire two people to one to shoot a horse to cause a distraction and one to create the barroom brawl to create, which is like one of my favorite characters in the movie. (laughs) Best character in the movie and the best scene. And that's also where we're going to get into what we're going to get into. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we got a corrupt cop, a bedding window teller to who gets us into the back room, a sharpshooter who's going to take down the horse and distract a crowd so they can keep the winnings from being paid out. And then there's the wrestler is going to be the guy who does the fight at the track bar. And then there's a bartender as well who's in it. The teller is George Petty. And that is played by Alicia Cook Jr. Yes. Very famous actor of the film noir. He's in Maltese Falcon. He was in, uh, what else was he in? He was in, he's been in a bunch. Boy, uh, Big Falcon, sleep. Dan. We should get to that pretty soon, huh? Yeah, you think we should. Yeah, I'd like to. I'm sure we could t- put it in there somewhere. Sounds like yeah. a good idea. <laughs> he's been around mr cook jr yes he's great in this one as, as george he has a wife sherry they have a very complicated relationship she does not love him whatsoever and he loves her very much so he tells her you know alludes to this robbery just to be like hey you know remember me i'm worth a damn i got some money coming in just tell me one thing why did you ever marry me anyway Oh, George, when a man has to ask his wife that, well, he just hadn't better, that's all. Why talk about it? Maybe it's all to the good in the long run. After all, if people didn't have headaches, what would happen to the aspirin industry? You used to love me. You said you did anyway. 
I seem to recall you made a memorable statement, too. Something about hitting it rich and having an apartment on Park Avenue and a different car for every day of the week. Not that I really care about such things, understand, as long as I have a big, handsome, intelligent brute like you. It would make a difference, wouldn't it? If I had money, I mean. How would you define money, George? Now, if you're thinking of giving me your collection of Roosevelt well, I mean big money. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. You really don't feel well, do you? Are you sure that pain's in your stomach? I'm going to have it, Sherry. Hundreds of thousands, maybe a half a million. <laughs> of course you are, darling. Did you put the right address on the envelope when you sent it to the North Pole? Go ahead and laugh. Wait and see. Maybe you won't be laughing so hard in a few days. But it doesn't work like he would like it to. And really that just, Sherry just goes to someone that she's with, Val Cannon. You want to talk great names? That's a great name. Yes, also a great name. Val Cannon, who is played by Vince Edwards. Mm -hmm. Very brief in this movie, but he makes... uh, Makes an impact. He makes an impact, exactly. So she goes, Sherry goes to Val Cannon and says, hey, old George is up to something. Planning uh, a... Maybe we should get in on it. There's a robbery, all right. And it was, uh, yeah, it was very fun to see that dynamic where, like, Sherry is uh, Val's George. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he's the guy at the top who's cool. He's like, yeah, I'm using all these people, you know? Yeah. So she follows him to this location. She finds the address because the address gets written down and dispersed very secretly. secretively. Yeah. Yeah. To different people who are meant to be at this meeting and so she comes and she's discovered and they put a hurting on her yeah julian hayden does afterwards when she's talking with george she like lies and says like they assaulted her when really they're just like fuck off you're gonna mess this up yeah well they made up a story but he, he started up saying like she thinks that he's cheating on her so even though she's cheating on him in, in reality yeah and it, yeah, that was the thing. Like he made up a story, and she, like without knowing, said the same thing because you know yeah. that was the obvious excuse to go with. Right, makes um, sense. But I like. I, I think uh, Sherry's good in this. Uh, Marie Windsor. No, I, I like. I like her. Dynamic I like her perf- in this. Yeah, she's actually kind of one of the more exciting characters of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie of exciting characters. I love the whole. The whole gang is great. <laughs> and she was known Everyone's as so like, different. She was known as the queen of the B movies. Because uh, she was in such a such a large amount of B movies back in that in that time. Oh, really? Okay, there you go. Yeah. In- including this one, this was very much exactly. regarded as a B movie. The total budget of the film was three hundred twenty thousand mm. dollars. Wow! And that's a paltry budget for a feature. Yeah, definitely. And the art director was Ruth Spodka, who was the second wife of Stanley Kubrick. And just a year after the movie was released, they got divorced, and she died at forty-one from a rare tumor condition. Oh man talk about the killing yeah yeah so yeah and they approach the plot like so what we've just said (laughs) is slowly kind of built to because you meet each character almost one at a time Mm -hmm. and and like we said it is non-linear can't stress that enough so you're just seeing everyone's approach coming into like the same meeting beforehand right it it could could be construed as as like a little bit out of the gate you're a little bit like okay i don't know how this is going to kind of like it's a little, almost a little bit boring or a little bit just like there's just kind of these inner... A lot things. of build-up and a lot yeah. of proceduralness to it. But then it hits a, hits a point where you're like, okay, this... Exactly. This, it kicks I in. Just, I just feel like I skipped over so much, but it is just like a lot of different is. approaches. That, that's what I can do. And, and I have my friend Dan here to say, whoa, 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 slow down, sir, if we get to it. So that's why I'm here. twisting his mustache away to ready to go. So that's what it is. That's what you, when you're ready to strike at me. That's when you're doing it. Exactly. <laughs> So they, the heist goes through, 
the guy that he gets at the bar, so he gets him at the wrestler. He gets him at the this chess academy. Yeah, it's like a chess you, club. Like basically, almost like, like, like a pool hall, right. like for exactly. chess, uh, which exactly. was cool, really cool to see. And this guy, he was a real wrestler, a former professional wrestler, and uh, old chess friend of Kubrick's, uh, mm. Kola Quarani, mm-hmm. and he he was great. Basically, because he lived exactly the, the role that he played in the movie, essentially. Totally. I was. My thought was, if there's ever to be like a reason that we have to bowl human heads, his would be perfect. <laughs> it was so perfectly round. But and, and no, his character, no his character is just interesting because of like, like when they first meet up in that in that hall and they're having a conversation, he, and you get that he's just like this very like kind of almost intellectual guy. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and, and then, you know, yeah, he's like this huge wrestler guy. And he's like going in, he's like, yeah, I'll take them. I need money. I'll, I'll go in and. Yeah. And who knows if we'll have a chance to see that physique. But yeah, during his scenes, I, would, I thought of you, Dan, because you said you watch these with subtitles, correct? I do. And I, when he would talk, I'd be like, man, what a good time to have subtitles on. Yes. He was a tough yeah. one. Yeah, I find it just, it, for me at least, it's, it's helpful, especially with the older films, just because like the way the sound kind of jumps. Like sure. to say, like the audio when you're trying to hear dialogue, and then when like an explosion happens or something big, it just it feels like it just it blares, and it, and that just really bothers me. So I try to keep it at an even level, but the, the and that way I don't miss anything either. Because sometimes you'll you'll mishear something, or you don't hear something, and you'll be like, wait, what did they say? Like, yeah, I don't know. I got a good sound system, so I maybe I just have bad hearing. I think I just crank it and go for the ride. Well, I have bad hearing, so that's why I'm cranking it. But uh... yeah. <laughs> so when he does his distraction i mean he gets in a bar room brawl and they tear off his like basically all his clothes other than his wrestling trunks and uh mm. it's great and it's here where you get the film debut of rodney dangerfield yeah that, that shocked me he he definitely gets some respect in this one um, <laughs> yeah so well, he, I, he did he didn't because he didn't get credited if he, if well, he got real respect he would have gotten credited <laughs> Extra. He didn't need, yeah. he didn't need uh, credit. Extras get no respect, though. We'll give him that. But I, because I have seen this movie a couple times, and this was a movie I did not have to buy. I've owned this one for quite a while now. Yes, we're both holding up our copies. Uh, I do want to also point out Connor Williamson did a wonderful job with this artwork. This is in the 2011. We're in a great time for Criterion art. Um, mm-hmm. He has a great comic called Antigon from Koyama Press, who's a great publisher and Annie Koyama is one of the greatest publishers who ever existed. Uh, she actually just went out of business, but track down that comic. I recommend it. But great stuff. There's some uh, horse racing drawings in here that are just really have movement. And uh, I just got to compliment him on that. And the, the mood. cover art's got the great. Uh... I was going to say the mood and the tone that he gets with the cover art with the mask and the robbery, which we'll get into in a second, is great. This is just a, a perfect set always around. So I mentioned, yeah, I want to mention before we, we get into that. Uh, I really do like the setup of the little nuances be- leading up to it, like of Sterling Hayden going to the, the, they're like, it's like a hotel, but they're like little bungalows. And he said, and, and you kind of, you don't know what, what he's, you know, he's up to something and it's a heist, but you don't yeah. know what he's doing. You kind of get a little sense of it, but I like the ideas of him, like setting things up in the, in the room. And then he's got little time things where he drops some key off and he puts it up at the bus station. He puts a gun in, in a... Yeah, when he rents the room too, he says, I'm not going to be here often. I'm going to come and go. So just leave me alone. I, I want a place to stay for about a week. I won't be in it very much. I don't want to clean it. I don't want anybody else in it except myself. 
I think I can accommodate you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, like, was, I like that. I like heist movies or things like that when they do like the little nuanced stuff of like the setup to them. I, well, that's I, I, why I this movie like. is so successful. I mean, the brutality is really great and, and visceral and exciting, but it is just the the lead up and how well thought out it is. I mean, I, yes. I love I love crime movies, and with noir, they go hand in hand most of the time. Yeah, I think this is our first like larger like heist plot. Heist, I mean, like yeah, yeah like gun crazy mm, to an extent, but. Like, this is just like... This is more like one particular right. crime as opposed to just a strain of them. Yeah, no, right. definitely. Um, and, and that's a trope, which I'm surprised we haven't gotten more into, but we will. it's interesting how this has let itself out, but it, it's been fun. But yeah, because I've had this movie for so long, I was like, you know what? I'm going to check out some of these fun facts ahead of time. Maybe there's something that'll catch my fancy. And boy, I'm so glad I did. I knew to look out for Mr. Dangerfield. He saw his and- face? And looking out for him, I, you know, because the scene came and I was just like, oh, I didn't see him. And then it cut back to it again. I was like, nope, there he is. And I'm, I got, I'm locked on him. He looked good as a young, young lad. Young whippersnapper. He had those, those perfect eyes for a crowd reaction, those danger feel eyes. Yeah, apparently they say that he makes like a little like face, you know, like a little like reaction he face. Does, they say a double take in yeah. my research, but it's a little more casual than that. But yeah, it's, it's great. Look out for him. Maybe we'll, we'll post a picture of him. Yeah. We can do a screen. I kind of want to go back now after reading. I kind of want to just fast forward to that scene and just watch that that scene. You should. You absolutely yeah. should. It's worth doing. I, I would have done it if I had learned after the fact. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so during the heist, okay. So we have the horse getting shot by you, another mus, mush mouth. Excuse me. I'm going to do it myself <laughs> as I'm poo-pooing the man. And uh, so he he's trying to park his car and look at the race. He has to pay off the, the guard. Yes. Who, you know, at first, like, I, you know, because he's like, I'm a paraplegic. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why would you be driving then? Yeah, uh, I thought about that too. I was like, yeah, that seems really weird. <laughs> a little too much there, buddy. But then he's like, yeah, I got a bum leg too. Like, you don't see me crying about it. But he wins him over. He pays him off. And mm-hmm. this guy, uh, he keeps trying to come over and make friends, I guess. He, he's weirdly just like trying to hang, especially after, like, they didn't have that great of an interaction. He just paid him money. Um, well, we don't know how much he paid him, so maybe he paid him a good amount of money. That's that, true. That's maybe what I was thinking. He's trying to get a couple. You know, I'll, I'll take that. That's a good call. Uh, I just, I was a little unsure, but if you're coming in after listening to this, keep that in mind. That could be the case. But also, if that's the case, heads up, you're gonna get some racism. Uh, he does it to get this guy to to fuck off. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it stings, and don't worry, he's gonna get his. He also brings out, hey, he's like, ah, oh, I know you're bent on the horse. I brought over a horseshoe for some luck. And when he leaves after getting offended. He drops it, and that horseshoe gets run over when he's trying to escape after shooting the horse. Yeah. Uh, this all sounds very convoluted coming out of my mouth. And so, yeah, he runs over it, pops his tire, and the cop shoots him. So he's the first one down during this body count. And then we have the actual heist itself. There's some locker room drop-offs. There's a uh, shotgun in a flower box. Right? Yeah, I do like that. I Which think it's a, machine, it's a machine gun, isn't it? It might be a machine gun. Yeah, it, it's a machine it definitely gun. shoots out more rounds than like a typical shotgun. Yeah. It, it, it sprays a lot. A lot of people go down. Um, there's some shooting practice with it uh, that you'll see early on. But yeah, it's great. And he puts on this very spooky clown mask. Yeah, I say the, the mask is yeah is awesome. Like that definitely gives room. a vibe. Yeah. It, it's also it's, tough to It's got to be tough to see like in peripherals. Like I was thinking about that when he's in the room. And he's at, and the heist is going down. It's got like the the eyelid holes are very small. That's why you just make all those people do the work for you. You know, you say, you, "Yeah, I'm going to stand right here, and everyone else go gather the money." I'm surprised um, they didn't try to overtake him. You know what I mean? Because he can't see very well. He still got the shotgun. That's true. And it seems to spray out wide. You know, it's too yeah. the shotgun machine gun, whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. it, it looks brutal, and and they know it being in a back room full of cash. 
So yeah, so while there's all these distractions going on, he's able to sneak his way back to that back room. He says, fill up this bag full of money and uh, he makes sure that he's able to get their guns. Everyone's unarmed. He's totally owning the situation. Then he says, go into this locker room and I'm going to come shooting in like 50 seconds or something like that. So stay down. So instantly you're like, how is he going to get away with this gigantic bag of money? He puts all his mask in there, most of his disguise, the gun itself, and he just throws it out the window. Mm-hmm. and then he's able to make his way out. He does get stopped briefly by a cop on his way out who notices that he's in a door he shouldn't be, and he slugs that cop. For and just away. walks out with the rest of the crowd. Yeah, goes out with the, the hullabaloo. Well, we get a little bit of allusion to where the, where the money goes. It, there's the setup of the, the crooked cop that's in on the, on the heist with them because yes. he needs the money because he, he, owes, he owes a debt, uh, and they talk about that early on. So you get Some people- that he's kind of crooked. You get um, some of the reasoning of why people need these money. I think it, basically everyone. There's someone who has a sick uh, wife. wife. Who is yeah. that? Do you remember? That is the bartender. The bartender. Okay, yeah. Yes. And then, yeah, so the, the cop has debt. The cop's Clay. outside the window. So he's out the window. Yes. So he takes it. Because no, that's, that's the, the big thing. Is like no one's going to suspect a cop of having something like that, so especially if he throws it in the trunk. Like it's a cop. No one's going to stop him. You know? Yeah. No, this plan is airtight. Everyone involved is exactly who needs to be involved with it. But there's a lot of a lot of shooting going down. I think there's eight people dead by mm-hmm. the end of it. Yeah. And one horse. Yes. So, yeah, we lose the sharpshooter. Everyone gathers at the apartment with Johnny to divide the money. But then we get old Val Cannon coming. With his buddy. <laughs> well, it's before Johnny can get there. So they're all waiting for Exactly. Him. Yes, exactly. They're waiting on Johnny. Johnny. He's late. He's a little late. Val Cannon shows up with his cannon. Uh, he's got a friend with him, and they're holding uh, everybody up. But then there's a huge shootout because George is off. He, he, I think he gets up to, I don't know, use the bathroom or something. Yeah. There's a reason he gets up. In he was a little bit, I think he was a little bit upset about what he was getting anxious. He, like, they were talking about it, and he's like, oh, something, something's wrong. Yeah, like, something's wrong. Like, Johnny should be here. And the fact that he's not here, he might be taken off with the money and, you know, all, he was kind of his imagination. I think was kind of given, so he just needed to take a walk for a second. Yeah. So George comes out though with a gun and he shoots at Val Cannon. There's a huge shootout. Everyone's dead except for for George. He's able to get away badly wounded. He's wounded. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes home to hey, what are you gonna do? Go kill that wife who betrayed you, right? Yeah. Well, Johnny sees him, and then the, the narrator says that you know they they had a pact that if if something was up or seemed a little bit odd, uh, he would just you know wouldn't ask questions. He would just leave the scene. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll meet up later. Yeah. So he he heads off after seeing George on his way to go kill his wife. So he heads off, gets the biggest suitcase he can find, which is pretty big, but very flimsy. Yes. Which will have its troubles later on. It's a very frustrating scene. Like even something as small as that, like even out of context of, of, the, of what's going on in the plot, like that was, it was just, it gives me anxiety watching him just like, him trying to put all that stuff together and then like the money flopping out. and like, Yeah. I mean, he has to pull over to like some country road and like stuff all the money from the bag into the latches aren't working into that. Yeah. The latches aren't working, but he, he goes, he collects Faye. He says, we got, we got to head out this crime that we did, which uh, he also said, because he, he had done five years in jail, which she had waited for him. And he said, Anytime you take a chance, you better be sure the rewards are worth the risk because they can put you away just as fast for a $10 heist as they can for a million dollar job. If you're going to do it, make sure it's worth it. So this one was worth it. Mm-hmm. They head to the airport and they have some trouble with the luggage. It's a little too big for a carry-on. 
I'm, I'm saying that's the one thing that like I don't want to say it annoyed me, but it frustrated me because it's like he should have realized that like yeah he's going for the biggest suitcase he can yet he wants to bring it as a carry on like you don't think that was going to be an issue when yeah. he brought it to the plane like he never had that concept as part of the plan his getaway needed to be a little more well thought out yes i agree especially if he had always kind of planned to pull this move but i like the scene where they're at the the desk at the airline and like and like because you know this is how you know it's a fiction movie the nicest airline the most cooperative airline they're really trying to make it work for this guy as much as possible right uh, well, the, well, the setup they're even with, like, with, we'll, we'll give you a refund. It's past the refund window, but you know, hey, this seems to trouble you. No problem. Yeah, like they completely just dismiss it. But I, I like the setup, this the slow setup of the the woman with the little dog beforehand, like that customer beforehand, because yes. that comes into play later with this like little dog. But I, I like that. Yes, I like the whole setup of this this entire sequence. Yes, the tension is rising, and so they're like, you know what, we got to get away. We're gonna do it. Just put it on as a carry on. We cut to them outside. You see them waiting for the plane. They see the luggage car driving by and their suitcases right on top, just all shaky. Yeah. You're getting nervous. That lady's with her dog. The dog jumps out of her arms and, and runs off. The guy swerves to avoid the dog. The, the suitcase falls off and just explodes instantly. This just, huge, yeah, it, it, huge it, it, cloud of cash, $2 million. Well, the, um, the airplane, the, the turbines. Also gets know, caught in the turbines, so, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's just like a perfect storm of... The whole, it's just a disaster. Yeah. A total noir ending for this money. So yeah, $2 million just gone, which was the equivalent of $18 million in 2017 wow. standards. So may have gone up even a little further. Yeah, even as many times as I've seen this, it's been a little bit of time. And, and like, I kind of roughly remember what happened. But even still, still, when you get to the end of it, you're just like, because you're in their shoes at that point. And like, after all the things that, that's going on, everything's been through. And then you see that yeah. happy. You're, you're just hoping you're, for that getaway. Right. Know? And you're just deflated, too. You're just like, oh, like uh, seriously? like. So they're like, okay, we got to go now. But they're unable to make it out. The cops get on to them. Yep. And Faye says, Johnny, you've got to run. But he just, he knows he's screwed and he just says, what's the difference as the yeah. cops come? And the I end, like that scene. The, the end pops up, but it's still playing out. That was great. I, I love the, the slow walk, like the slow down of the two detectives, like yeah. opening the door slowly and to- towards him and, you know, pulling out the guns. Yeah, it's a great, Oncoming great justice. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So initial test screenings, they saw this, the people saw this, they didn't like it. They thought it was too confusing because it was nonlinear. So Kubrick was forced to go back and edit the film in a linear fashion, which was a bigger disaster and more confusing. Mm. So he was able to win out and keep the original form. Mm. Kirk Douglas was so impressed by this and that they got together for their next movie, Paths of Glory. And it uh, sounds like that relationship would fall apart after Spartacus. Yeah. Fucking Spartacus. I was going to say, I think, I think uh, Kubrick tended to, to ruin quite a few relationships it seems like not a lot of comeback uh, players in his movies no. for the most sterling part. hayden was one though sterling hayden was in uh dr strange love there you go and he probably because he was paid forty thousand dollars for his lead role in this yeah and kubrick took no fee as director of the film yeah i did see that this is when he wanted him when he was at his hungriest you know this right. is the most you could kind of keep him under control yeah and so that because of that they were able to add this the narration which he hated but yeah, they say the narrator provides a lot of false or mistaken information. I tried to pay attention to that because like I said, I, I saw some things ahead of time because I never really considered that. There's like one time where they contradict the time, but it's nothing major. 
Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it necessarily like detracts in any way necessarily, like as far as the movie goes. Like, it, I think, like you said, the tough part about this movie is that it's non-linear, and then they'll, they'll play out different scenes, especially during the heist scenes, where they'll actually it'll go back in time and then ahead in time, because you're seeing it from a different character's perspective. Like the planning of the heist and the heist itself, like take is like a chunk, a whole chunk of the movie, basically. Yes, but it's it's cool. I love how it goes about it. Yeah, absolutely. The cinematographers union told Kubrick that he couldn't be both director and cinematographer in this one. So he hired Lucien Ballard to shoot the picture. Mm-hmm. And would you believe it? They didn't like each other and clashed often during filming. Well, you know what I do believe? He, uh, he was a cinematographer for The Getaway, the original Getaway. So we've come full circle. Perfect. Getaway's a great movie. Watch The Getaway. I love that movie. I mean, yeah. he, you know, I've talked about Pepe Pe- Pe- before. I, I, I love his, his stuff, but... Yeah, I watched it a couple. I actually, that was one of the movies I watched after I got my. That was one of my uh, vaccine movies uh, that I watched. Very nice. Uh, I, I wanted just like a very like a comfort like '70s action movie to watch, and uh, that one I just saw on my shelf. I was like, yeah, that's the one. Like you just look, you see it, and you're like, yep, that's it, and it's fantastic. I mean, that talk about ending endings of movies. Like the ending of that movie is incredible. So good. I mean, it's Steve McQueen. You're going to be fine in that era. Peck and Pop also going to be fine. Right. And then the fact that uh, him and uh, Alan McGraw actually had an affair, especially during the movie off screen and continued after the movie. And you kind of see that like that develop, yeah, develop in the movie. And like, it feels very realistic within the movie too. So it's got some pickings. So, you know what I mean? Like the other day you've got yourself like a nice, it's, it all works is what I'm saying. There you go. It's a great follow-up to The Killing, which I'd say the lads recommend, huh? Yeah. It's a great yeah. movie. I would do a double feature of The Killing and The Getaway. I would, I That's would a great do. double feature, especially because this one will a nice A feature. You get you in there nice and quick. Yep. It's an A, B for sure. Yeah. I hope we did. I, I feel like we were a little procedural ourselves with uh, this one, but it's a great movie. I really like it. I, I hope we gushed enough on it. Yeah, I think it's like, I was thinking about it. Sometimes movie, older movies, I, I, I could see people thinking like they might feel a little bit boring or they might feel like it gets kind of caught up in itself sometimes. But this movie just goes. I mean, it, yeah. it, it starts a little bit slow, but that movie never feels long at all. Like it feels like it's almost over before you know it. Like it's No, and even it's, if it's like a little slow, you look at your watch and like, oh, it's only been like five minutes. It's, right. it's, it picks up very, very quickly. Right. And a lot of yeah. great tension and action and, and you're just like, wow, like yeah. you just get you get so wrapped up into it. Well edited like, this one. Yes. Yeah. You get so wrapped up in, in what's going on with the heists in particular that you're just like, wow, like I can't believe it's over already. Like I want more. Like it kinda of almost leaves you wanting more. So I think that's a really Absolutely. good testament to the movie. But yeah, I highly recommend it. I, I think honestly, like if you've never seen a Kubrick film, this would probably be a good one to start with, honestly. It, it's like, a good dip your toes into it yeah. for sure. I'd have to think about that one. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think 2001 was the first one I ever saw, which might yeah. be a good one too. I guess um, it depends on what you're looking for in from him or just in life, you know? Right. I, and I think one thing you can say about Kubrick is that he has done a, a variety of different films pretty well. So I, I think you can give him yeah. that for sure. One thing like I like about him is like, he didn't repeat himself really. Right. He just kind of tackled every single genre, which is, is pretty cool. I like when a director is like that, where you don't think of them as just a specific, like, oh, a sci-fi director or something like that. It's, like, oh, it's just a, a director. Or like when he reused the monolith from 2001 in The Shining, you know, like stuff like that. There you go. <laughs> and no, that is that did not happen, but it would have been great if it was. And we could have fooled people. I yeah, wanna, I we, we could be making up facts, you know? 
Yeah, there's a little like Easter egg in The Shining where you look in the maybe snow. Maybe this entire podcast has been a lie and none of this really happened. Maybe it's the moon landing of podcasts. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. That's full circle. Interesting. That's much like a full moon, right? Yeah. Uh, well, the lights are out and the moon is up. So I say come back next week and join us. This movie was actually delivered to me this morning uh, about an hour before recording. So wow. That was a fun. So I have it here to hold. And uh, we got the Maltese Falcon coming. 1941. One of my my all-time favorites. One of the first ones I ever saw. One of the first film noirs I've ever seen. Come closer. I want to talk to you. I'm going to tell you an astounding story. The story of the Maltese Falcon. 600 years the Falcon has carried the mystery of a fabulous wealth under its grotesque wings. I could tell you a thousand tales of the men and women who have hunted this evil bird. But every story has the same ending. Murder. Listen to these incredible people, all consumed by their passionate greed for the Maltese falcon. What have you ever given me beside money? Have you ever given me any of your confidence, any of the truth? Haven't you tried to buy my loyalty with money and nothing else? What else is there I can buy you with? Okay, who loves who? I won't play the sap for you. I haven't lived a good life. I've been bad. Worse than you could know. We were talking about a lot more money than this. There are more of us to be taken care of now. Well, that may be, but I've got the falcon. You may have the falcon. We certainly have you. I've taken a lot of riding from you, I'm gonna take. Get up and shoot it out. Stop it, the police will be here any minute. Now talk. Oh, how can you accuse me of such a terrible... This isn't the time for that schoolgirl act. We're both of us sitting under the gallows. One of the first for me, it's been quite a minute i'm looking forward to having a, a fun rewatch and having this in the in the catalog so i will say that, that I, that's the blu-ray that i have i have that same one and it looks incredible um, i believe it i mean this one's such a heavy hitter there's no way they're not going to go nuts this isn't even a warner archive they said it's above us this is warner brothers yeah that's like yeah like they're like we we know we know people want this movie you know we're, we're gonna make this on a, on a wide scale yeah. like it needs to be seen all right well on that note here's to crime on blu-ray right Dan? here's a crime on blu-ray <laughs> Kidding. <laughs>